Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter number 9 in the precious book. We'll begin reading with verse number 12 and come down to the end of the chapter, which is verse number 21. If you have your place, you can stand with us and reverence to the reading of God's word and prayer for the message tonight. Thank God for his word. Many may ask a question, preacher, why do we study in the book of Revelation? When you're saved, you're not going to be here. Uh, speaking specifically of where we are in the scripture. Well, it makes me long for home. Amen. It makes me want to be a better witness. And it makes me want others not to go to that place called hell. It makes me want to see others be one to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will keep you walking close. Amen. Revelation chapter number 9 and verse number 12. The Bible says, One woe is past. And behold, there came two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river, Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Can you imagine what we're reading tonight? That's some stuff, I'm telling you. Some bad stuff. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of the fornication, nor of their thefts. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your word. We pray you add your blessings to it. Lord, I pray that we would open up our hearts and mind to thus saith the word tonight. Give us better understanding of the scripture. And God will surely thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. The trumpet blast of judgment is going to fall upon the earth, upon all the ungodly and the evil of this world. We have seen this in the first four trumpet blasts that fell upon nature that we have studied in our past few studies here in the book of Revelation. We spoke about the horrifying and the catastrophic events that destroyed one-third of the vegetation, the water supply, the sea life, 
the shipping and fishing commerce of the world is going to be completely destroyed. And such a horrible time as we have spoke of is going to be here sooner than you think. Many people want to blame it on global warming. Many people want to blame it on uh, uh, things that are, are tearing up or eating up the atmosphere, if you will. But let me say this. God doesn't need any help from us. He's going to make sure that it takes care of itself. Uh, when these particular plagues begin to fall, it won't be because of the uh, global warming. It'll be because uh, of the uh, judgment of God that is falling on this world. The first four trumpet judgments, man himself, if you'll remember we studied, will not be afflicted at all. Uh, not on a massive scale anyway. That is, a man's body will not be attacked. His body will not suffer any massive ill effects from the catastrophes that go on with nature. But after these natural disasters, the ungodly and the evil of this world are going to be judged. The, the last three trumpet judgments will be directed against men personally. And millions will be affected and millions will be ultimately destroyed. They're going to reap exactly what they have sown. They've sown terrible ungodliness. Uh, therefore, they're to reap the punishment uh, of their evil. And the punishment is to be so severe that can it only be called a prolonged period of woe. W-O-E, as we have read in your King James Bible tonight. The last three trumpet judgments are the woe judgments. The judgments directed against the ungodly and the evil of this world. How many of you have ever thought about how it looks like the people that try to live for the Lord never prosper? But then you've got those that are always wicked seem to be prospering. Well, that may be so in some cases, but may I say I stand here today a blessed individual because I am a saint of God and I do know that I'm going to that place called heaven. And the wicked will not always prosper because their day is going to come. The first woe judgment was seen in the former passage. We spoke a couple of weeks ago on the blast of a demonic-like plague of locusts. A demonic locust that would only only torture men uh, and yet not kill them. But now the sixth trumpet blast uh, uh, and, and fo blast forth and this judgment is coming and another horde of demons are coming forth. This time, however, there's a difference. There's a military of demons and they'll take their toll upon the human life. An astronomical number according to scripture of the ungodly and evil of this world is going to die under the judgment of God's righteous hand and this is spoke of as a woe judgment. It's the judgment of the, the demonic military horsemen. If you'll look at number one on your outline you'll see that there are more woes that lie ahead. There's to be a catastrophic destruction and devastation, devastation in the great tribulation that is coming upon this earth that it has never seen before. It'll be such a terrible time that it can only be described as that period of woe. That means extreme grief. That means extreme distress. That means terrible suffering, affliction, and calamity that will come down upon this 
this earth. The woe judgments of God are the trumpet judgments that zero in on afflicting the bodies of the ungodly. And one woe has already been covered in that demon-like locust. But two more judgments are yet to fall upon the evil people of this world. If you'll look at number two in your outline, which would cover verses 13 through 15. There are four fallen angels set loose. Three facts are given about these angels that are cut loose. They are set loose, number one, by the command coming from the golden altar. This is the altar of incense where the prayers of God's people are kept. This symbolizes this significant fact to us tonight. God's people continue to pray and God's people's prayers are going to be answered. This symbolizes a significant fact to us tonight. God launches this judgment especially to vindicate the millions who will be slaughtered in the holocaust of the Antichrist. God is going to perfect be perfectly just. We serve a just God. They pe- Listen, people are going to reap what they sow. I'd rather be sowing for our God than be sowing for the devil today. Amen. I'd rather be trying to build the kingdom of God instead of trying to build the kingdom of evil and the kingdom of the devil himself. Why do we preach? Why do we tell people about Jesus? Why do we read the word of God why do we why do we pray and ask God to touch those that are in need it is because we love the Lord and we're trying to sow some righteousness in a world that's gone completely mad and my friend we are living in difficult days but I'm glad I know who's going to win the battle at the end I'm glad that I've read the end of the book of Revelation I know who is going to prevail and it is our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that died on that hill of Calvary for you and I. And I'm glad to say uh, that we've got victory in Jesus. The very prayers uh, of the golden altar cry out for the name of God to be vindicated against those who've left, who's mocked, who's rejected, who's denied, who's disbelieved, disobeyed, and those that have cursed God. God's going to hear these prayers. A lot of times when you're in the church realm, when you're around a lot of Christians, and if you've got a Christian home, let me say you ought to be thankful unto God tonight. It's not that way in everybody's home. And may I say that sometimes we don't realize what's happening on the outside of our lives. We're used to being in church. Uh, We're used to having prayer at the house. We're used to having prayer around the dinner table. We're used to reading our Bible and telling people about Jesus. But when you get outside the realm of the church and its activities, you'll see people curse God for who He is. You'll see people that are just slap evil. And it almost appears that they're from hell itself. Uh, uh, Folks, evil is in this world. And evil will try to destroy everything that God has created. But again, may I gladly say, I'm glad we're not going to lose this war. We may end up losing a battle every now and then. But God is ultimately going to win 
this war. The four released angels are bound there, the scripture says, in the great Euphrates, the river. Now, these four fallen angels are going to be four specific angels. As will be seen in a few moments, they're going to be the four angels of high military rank. Now, why would the angels come from the Euphrates, you may ask tonight? Well, the scripture does not actually tell us why those angels are coming from that particular part of the world. But two reasons uh, seem likely. Number one, the head or the spring of the Euphrates River flowed out of the Garden of Eden. It was there, of course, where Satan first tempted and overthrew man. The first sin that resulted in the fallen human race took place at the Euphrates River. It was also there that the first murder took place. And it was in that region of the Euphrates that the first organized rebellion against God took place. So we need to understand these things tonight. You see, the Euphrates was the western boundary of the promised land that God promised to Abraham. And therefore, beyond the Euphrates can be looked upon as the outer reaches of the earth, as the place where the spiritual enemies of man are kept. The commentator William Barclay says this. He says, The angels therefore come from the distant lands. From the strange and alien hostile places. From these very parts of the world from which the Assyrians and the Babylonians had in time past descended with destruction upon Israel. So then the angels come from the quarter from which disaster had in ancient times come upon God's people Israel. The four angels are angels of punishment. They come from the part of the world from which death and disaster and slavery had so often come. So that sounds like a perfectly good explanation to me tonight. But also the four fallen angels were loosed and they were prepared to execute judgment upon this earth. The judgment of, of slaying one third of the ungodly and evil population of this world. Remember why? Because billions upon the earth are going to follow and give their total allegiance and support to the Antichrist, his policies, and his government. And one of the major policies will be the Holocaust launched against the believers of the world. Literally millions of people are going to be slaughtered within this seven year period. Simply stated, God will not be able to take the, uh, the diabolical evil of, of the ungodly people anymore. You know, sometimes we, we sit around and we ponder, Lord, how long is it going to be before you come back and get us? How long is it going to be? We've seen so much woe. We've seen so much devastation. We've seen so much destruction. God, why are you continuing to tarry? For surely we are in those days as it is seen in the days of Noah. And God, where are you? God trust me he's coming he's coming God has already set the time for this judgment 
There's an exact year. There's an exact month. A day and even hour. That this judgment is to fall upon the ungodly and the evil. Folks the hour is already set. God has got a timetable. He's going to stick to his timetable. And only he knows this timetable himself. And things will begin to change before you know it. And when all of these things begin to happen. I'm glad I'm not going to be here. I'm glad I'm going to be resting safe. uh, In the arms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For when Jesus comes. uh, uh, The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And those which are alive and remain. Will be caught up with them. uh, uh, To meet them in the air. I'm glad that I'll either come forth out of the grave. uh, Or I'll be caught up with them in the air. I always thought it'd be a neat thing. Standing by the graveside. uh, As we've just done a eulogy. And one is lying in the ground six foot under. Uh, for some, some people, they like to stay around until the grave is covered to where they can see the final placement of the flowers. Some people like to leave before the grave is covered. Uh, some people like to be placed inside a mausoleum and sealed inside that tomb. Uh, some people have desires to be cremated and cast across the sea or with their ashes. But may I say it doesn't matter if you're six foot under or if you're going to be inside a mausoleum or if you're out strung out strode out through the ocean somewhere uh, when God says get up uh, uh, the fish will have to give you up uh, the ground will have to give you up uh, the mausoleum will have to give you up there will not be enough glue uh, concrete uh, uh, to keep you down uh, because we'll be leaving here to be with the Lord Jesus amen I'm glad to know that I'm going to make that first trip out of here Uh, I may be left a little bit behind if I'm still walking but if I'm laying in the ground I'll be the first ones to pop up through there amen you believe that tonight preacher I hope to tell you that's the word of God and I believe it's going to happen and it's going to be sooner than later I do believe I'm glad I'm not going to have to go through these torments I'm glad I'm not going to have to see these awful creatures that the scripture speaks of tonight but if you'll look thirdly on your outline they're the military horsemen and their demonic Horses. And five things here in the scripture are said about this uh, demonic horde, if you would. Number one, there'll be an army of 200 million. Imagine an army of 200 million demonic spirits let loose upon this earth. This will be an army that the four fallen angels will command. An army such as the world Has never seen before. Number two. The riders will have breastplates. The breastplates. uh, As I've studied those out. Will be uh, fiery red. And sapphire blue. And a sulfur yellow. Uh, The breastplate symbolizes. That there will be indestructible. That there will be indestructible demons. At this point protected and defended. As they go to war. Against the ungodly of the world. They're going to be released on the ungodly. These demonic looking things are going to be taking out the ungodly. Imagine that. The horses thirdly will be horrible. And add terror upon terror on the ungodly. This is what is really fascinating to me. And this is what is really horrific. In this entire portion of scripture. The horses will be horrible and terrible. They'll have heads like lions. 
They'll be ferocious, fierce, devouring, cruel, and consuming. But they'll have a mouth that spits out fire. A hellish and fiery nature. A vengeful, angry, and wrathful nature. They'll kill one third of the ungodly and evil upon the earth. How? By the plague of the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone. The weapons used by this demonic army are not given to us. But observe tonight how the fire, the smoke, and, and brimstone sound maybe like some type of atomic explosion. Some type of maybe a nuclear reaction of some sort. Who knows? It's not given to us straightforward like we would maybe want to interpret it tonight. But we must keep in mind that this slaughter is being masterminded by evil spirits and demonic forces. All being executed under the will of God. And God's will as a judgment upon the ungodly and the evil of this world. There's power in their mouths, power in their heads, and power in their tails. Their head, the head, the power in the head symbolizes, of course, intelligence. The mouth symbolizes the deceptive speech and the hunger to consume and destroy. And the serpent-like tail symbolizes poisonous strikes and deadly wounds. The picture of the great tribulation tonight is a picture of horror heaped upon horror. Folks, I don't know. Listen, when I was growing up, I, I, I lost as a ball in high weeds on my way to hell without Jesus. I'd go and I'd, I'd see these uh, horror movies on television. And I'd see these horror movies inside of the, uh, the movie theater. And you'd see some horrific things in those particular movies. But nothing like you will be seeing that is going to take place and unleash upon the ungodly of this world during the great tribulation. It's a frightful and fearful scene. With what we know about the possibility of destruction from massive weapons to, uh, to just uh, uh, ungodly devastation by the enemy. Environmental devastations and the possibility of some monstrous gene mutation that there will be seen in those days the judgments of God's book can no longer be doubted. I believe we can believe what the word of God says. You know, you can read over in the scriptures, even in the Old Testament, and the Bible speaks of, the prophets speak of, having visions of where people, uh, the, the, their skin melt off their bones. And their eyes are pretty much uh, decimated in their sockets. Uh, before their bones even hit the ground. That is the prophets of old that is looking ahead towards some type of destruction and devastation. If we were in nuclear warfare today, that's a picture of nuclear warfare. That is a picture of the Old Testament prophets that they seen that would happen to people that would come into contact with nuclear warfare. Back in the day, there was no reason or rhyme why people would want to believe uh, that something like that could possibly happen. But in today's life and when we live and getting closer to the end of this age, we can see where this stuff can happen. 
We can see where there can be total destruction. And where there can be total devastation. We can see how millions could be slaughtered at one time. We can see massive destruction and how it could possibly fall upon this earth. If you look at number four on your outline as we cover those last two verses. Of verse 20 and verse number 21. There's a purpose for this judgment. And I do believe the purpose of this judgment is repentance. But you got to pay close attention here. The ungodly and the evil survivors of the earth still don't repent. They, all of this is coming about them. Listen, I believe it's more for repentance of our day than a repentance of those that are going to be here taking upon that punishment. Repentance. Two-thirds of the population will survive. It's not because they deserve to survive, but it's because God is a merciful God. Listen, we can all stand and say that we ought to all be dead in the devil's hell today. But God showed you mercy. And God showed you grace. And God gave you an opportunity to live. And God saved your soul. And God kept you from self-destructing. Can't we all say today that God has been merciful? And that God has been long-suffering? That He waited for one like me to get saved? He waited for one like you to decide that you're going to serve a true and living God? And turn away from this world. I'm glad that he is long suffering tonight. Because if he wasn't. We'd all get just punishment. We'd all be in a place. Called hell. God's always merciful. Even in the midst of judgment. He'll give the ungodly of the earth another chance. He'll give people that are lost and are walking without God tonight even another chance. But how does he speak to them? He speaks to them through judgment. But they won't repent. As I looked upon the congregation this past Sunday morning. And as I looked and it seemed like I had my eye focused in on about three different pews. As the Lord was moving amongst his people and convicting the hearts of people that were here. And people would even raise their hand and say, Preacher, I'm not right with God. I need you to pray for me. And I have been uh, praying for them. I see their uh, faces in my mind tonight as I preach to you. As they left this building the same way that which they came. Lost and undone without the Lord Jesus Christ. I even asked and I felt it led upon the Lord to ask this question. It seemed like families are falling apart at the core. If you've got problems within your family. If you've got problems there. It seems like the devil is fighting your family and the family's being decimated at the core. Would you please lift your hand? And I've seen a couple of hands raise up and say, Preacher, please pray uh, for my family. May I say this today? Uh, uh, people go through things. Uh, God allows them to go through things uh, uh, many a times to get the attention of that individual uh, to where they'll know that there is a better way. Uh, there is a heaven to gain. Uh, there's a hell to shun. Uh, but my friend you've always got that will of choosing but many people choose the wrong way many will choose to walk with the devil in this world instead of walking 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. And give up and forfeit all of the glories of heaven. To walk with pride and the pride of this world and the pride of life. And I looked across and I seen a couple of individuals uh, that were probably uh, no doubt uh, a senior in their years. A senior citizens, if you will, that lifted their hands uh, uh, and mentioning that they were lost and they needed Jesus uh, to help them in certain situations in their life, particularly their need for salvation. It breaks my heart to see that. Let me tell you why. Because the older we get, the older we get tonight without Jesus Christ in our hearts and our lives, the harder our hearts get, uh, the more difficult it gets to reach people because of the they, they just grow hard under God their heart becomes hardened and they begin their life becomes stale to thus saith the word of God and it takes just about a miracle of God to touch them in a way to where they would change their life I remember as I pastored a man for a little over two years he was in his 80s I, he, would, he would faithfully be in Sunday school on Sunday morning. And that's the only time he would come. He would come for Sunday school. He would not come for preaching. Totally opposite from the day that we live. People will come to worship, but they won't come to Sunday school. But he always came to, to Sunday school. And he left during the preaching. That bothered me. And, and uh, he was part of the family of the church. And... And I went to visit with him one day, and it ended up being several times. I said, sir, I just want to talk to you a minute about the Lord, because people had told me that he wasn't right with God. And I went and I talked with him. I said, sir, I'm just concerned about you. I'm concerned about your salvation. I'm concerned about where you are spiritually. He said, preacher, there's no need to talk to me about it. That's why I don't stay for worship. I said, what do you mean? Do you have something against me preaching or my preaching or, or what is it? He said, preacher, it don't do me no good to sit in the preaching service. I said, why not? I, he said, well, here's my thought and this is my plan. I enjoy going to Sunday school. I enjoy learning about the Bible. But when you get to preaching, when others get to preaching, just not you or anyone else, a conviction does not fall on me any way or fashion. And I just feel like uh, that I I've wasted my afternoon. He's I've wasted my morning sitting here. I said, what are you trying to tell me, sir? He said, I've sit in that church for some 60 years. And I've rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. A service after service after service after service. To a point that the Lord no longer deals with my heart. He said, I can go in and the preacher can say or, or, the, or, or the congregation can say that heaven fell down and many a hearts were touched and many were saved and I yet to feel anything in my heart and I know that the word of God says that the Holy Spirit of God must draw me for me to get my heart right with God but God no longer speaks to me it's almost like after 60 years of in, being inside that church and the Lord speaking and God uh, 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 convicting my heart uh, there was uh, that point in time where he convicted me for the last time I said sir does that bother you 
He said, preacher, it bothers me greatly. I said, if it bothers you, don't you think there's a chance? <laughs> I said, for you just told me that it bothers you. What bothers you? He said, it bothers me, preacher, because I don't feel the Lord. I said, would you just give it another chance? Would you just come and see if the Lord will convict your heart? I'm going to pray that God will convict you even now. Would you please just pray? I, I can't even pray to God, preacher, because I don't feel the Lord pull me and tug me by the convicting power that the Bible teaches of. I said, so, sir, basically what you're telling me is you've rejected Christ to a point that you've sinned away your day of grace. He said, yes, son, that's what I'm saying. I said, if that's true, you're in a terrible fix and there's nothing that I can do. Only the God of heaven can change your heart and change your life. As far as I know, that man never came back to worship. He would continue to come to Sunday school. Shortly after that, he even stopped coming to Sunday school. I would go back and visit with him on a weekly basis, begging with him, pleading with him, asking him, Sir, you're, you're, you're getting older in age. You need the Lord. Son, the Lord's not dealing with me. My heart is so hard. And I've just rejected Christ so long. I just don't think there's any way. And as far as I know, that man died without Jesus Christ. That's a terrible situation to be in. God is always merciful in the midst of judgment. He'll give the ungodly of this earth chances to repent after time and time again. And a lot of times bring them through the judgments of God. And yet they still don't repent. And when they get to the point to where my friend was that day. We're in a bad situation. We see here in these last two scriptures that there'll be several gross sins. For which the ungodly needed to repent of and did not. There'll be an enormous increase and infestation of the devils and the evils in the end time. There'll be an increase of the worship of evil spirits and the worship of idols. I see them popping up everywhere. I see signs everywhere. Come here, we'll read your palm for $5. No, why don't I just give you $5? Don't you fall for that stuff. And I'm going to make somebody mad here, and I know I am, but I'm going to tell you how I think about it. You know me. <laughs> that little Sagittarius Gemini astrology report that you read every day in the newspaper, that's ungodly stuff. That's, it, that's nothing more than witchcraft in itself. Somebody writing down in a piece of paper trying to tell you what's going to be going on next year or next week. And uh, you believe it. But my horoscope says. <laughs> I'd rather go by what Jesus says. Amen. Whether it be tarot cards. Whatever it may be. Folks, we're living in those days. We're talking about the worship of evil. We're talking about idolatry. We're talking about the worst kind of idolatry. We need to understand that uh, that's what's going to happen in the last days. God hates idolatry. 
and demands in unknown, no uncertain terms that man turn away from his adultery and from the worship of evil spirits. I mean, listen, people, some of these, some of you have seen it in, some of you have seen it in uh, uh, movies, but it, it is true, Ouija boards. Evil stuff. You don't play around with that stuff. You don't play around with it. Oh, it's just for, for fun. No, don't play around with evil. Let me tell you why not play around with evil. You don't play around with evil because evil is stronger than you are. Evil's not stronger than the God that you serve, but evil is stronger than you are. The Bible says there'll be an increase in sin, in the sin of murder. Boy, have we not seen that take place? And, and, and it's going to get even worse. Going to get even worse. An increase in the sin of sorcery. You look at that word sorcery. Comes from an original word. Uh, from it, It's spelled P-H-A-R-M-A-K-O-N. Pharmacon. And that's a Greek word which is close to the spelling of the word pharmacy. And... Uh, See, sorcery tonight includes all kinds of witchcraft. And you can even throw in the use of drugs that evil spirits use to gain control over lives. Palm reading, fortune telling, go back to that. All forms of witchcraft and even astrology, okay? But listen, all of this is going to be on the increase to a magnitude that we've never seen before. A magnitude that is going to be just out of this world. But there will also going to be an increase in immorality. And when I say an increase in immorality, we can see it getting worse as the days go on. That word, th th this was amazing to me because the, the Greek for, for immorality is, is porneia. P-O-R-N. Imagine that word, P-O-R-N-E-I-A. A broad word including all forms of immoral and sexual acts. Uh, from premarital sex and relations to adultery to abnormal sexual activities. All kinds of sexual vices. Folks, the Bible says to flee it. Amen. Flee it. Flee fornication. Every sin that man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Uh, Ephesians 5 3 but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints and then Colossians 3 5 mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication and cleanness uh, inordinate affection evil I can't even say that word con concupiscence and covetousness which is adultery and then lastly there he speaks of there'll be an increase in theft you go back to the Greek word for that, climaton, which comes, I guess, from, you know, that's where they get the word kleptomaniac, uh, to meaning to cheat there in the original language, to cheat and steal, and to take wrongful from another person, either legally or illegally. Don't the Bible still say in Exodus twenty fifteen, thou shalt not steal? Leviticus nineteen eleven, ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. In Ephesians 4.28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, which he may have to give to him that needeth. Folks, I'm here to tell you, we're living in the last days. 
And we're seeing some bad stuff. But it's not going to compare to anything like we've read tonight. I hope that you're learning something from these scriptures. I hope you're gaining some knowledge. And I hope that what is birthed inside of you is this. You won't want people to die and go to hell. Number one. You don't want people left behind to go through hell here on this earth. Because that's what's going to happen. And it's going to happen to millions of people. Hell is enlarging itself. I'm glad my reservation's already been made. And I'm going to heaven. When God calls, either by the way of the grave or by the way of the trumpet sounding. You stand as our sister comes around to get us a song of invitation as she plays softly. I do want to be respectful of your time tonight. I do understand we've already came around and prayed. But just maybe you have something upon your heart. We want to give you that opportunity to come back tonight and pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for goodness, grace, mercy, long-suffering. And God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'll lead, God, direct our lives. Help us warn others about the impending doom of revelation. Help us to warn others and tell others about your marvelous grace and mercy. Lord, I thank you for everything that you do for us tonight. And I'll surely love you and praise you for what you do for my friends. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.